Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. And this episode is part one of our look back at the previous year in movies, the movies of 2021. We've done this a few uh, a few years, and this time I'm joined once again by the senior film critic from The Queer Review and a filmmaker in his own right, Glenn Gaylord. And this year, for the first time in this conversation, is somebody who I know loves talking about movies. He's been on the podcast a few times. Drew Drogi is joining us. So we get into it. It was just going to be one episode, but we talked for a while. So we're going to divide it up. Um, you might want to keep a post-it note handy to write down all the movies that you still need to see or maybe that you hadn't heard of based on this conversation because I know every year we do this I end up with a list of like oh gotta see that oh I hadn't heard of that I want to see that oh maybe I don't need to see that um suffice it to say I will be seeing Marry Me with Jennifer Lopez in the theater um very soon after it opens I I I'm very much looking forward to that because you see the trailer and you don't know what year it is is it 2003 it's J-Lo and Owen Wilson I don't know maybe it's I don't know. I, I just can't wait. <laughs> you know, some people's escapism is sci-fi. I think a rom-com with J-Lo in it where she's still making movies is my escape. And I can't wait. That's my Valentine's Day. That's my single man's Valentine's Day. Um, all right. Here's some fun news. Uh, I have a phone number. If you ever want to leave a message and comment on something you hear on the show, uh, this is the number you can call, a voicemail. 888 647 9653 and if you want to support the show there's something you can do you can become a subscriber to DNR Studios I'm one of multiple shows on that platform for $12.95 a month you get my show and all of these other shows and uh, it's a way you can kind of um, support us uh, we appreciate it or you can just listen as you always have through whatever podcast app so it's called the hybrid model that's what it is all right here without any further ado it's glenn gaylord andrew Drogi, and me talking about the movies of 2021 joining me now via zoom are two fabulous friends of mine who are also film lovers glenn gaylord he is the senior film critic of the queer review he's also a writer and filmmaker in his own right Andrew Drogi, actor and writer. You're also a movie lover. And when Glenn and I were talking about who could we bounce off of for this episode, we thought of you. So welcome. So Thanks for having me. Yeah. So each of us come at movies um, from a different uh, angle in terms of our list that we want to talk about. And Glenn, why don't you start us off by explaining what your way in is and also throw out a movie and we can start talking about it. Yeah, each year with the Queer Review, I write this article called Moments Out of Time for the prior year's films. And I kind of stole it from Film Comment Magazine, which as a kid, I grew up looking forward to this annual article where the critics all compiled their list of their favorite moments from films, whether it's a, a piece of cinematography, a scene, a line of dialogue. It could be anything. And so I'm carrying on the tradition with uh, this annual article. I love it. So what's your first moment out of time? All right. Well, I want to do a compilation of a bunch of films. Okay. First moment, because I think that this year uh, marked the return of well executed, well executed movie musical moments. Okay. Where, where the directors really understood musicality, and my right. examples are in in the Heights when Yus Navi first enters uh, the scene in the opening scene, and he 
puts his foot on a subway uh, manhole cover and he uses it as a DJ would a vinyl album. And I thought this director knows what he's doing. He figured out the musicality of that moment. Same I goes even Spielberg in West Side Story during G Officer Krupke towards the big finale, the characters all get down on their knees and they twirl around and the newspapers come swirling up from the floor. And just like, he thought this out. Right. And it goes for the I Feel Pretty number when she looks in the mirror mm -hmm. and there's a person behind her who gets some window cleaner and goes like that, just yeah. in time to the music of which girl who, whatever it is. Right. Uh, and uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, when uh, uh, Andrew Garfield is in that diner scene and he just raises up his hand like a conductor and the wall falls down and opens up the diner to New York City. Just really well-executed musical moments that really struck me this year. Yeah, it wasn't like Glee where they were like, let's just uh, get five cameras and shoot the shit out of it and we'll figure it out later. Like it, every moment was thought through in the examples that you mentioned, which I think for a musical is so important, but they, they don't always do it, right? Yeah, even everybody what, talk. everybody's talking about Jamie has that moment that goes in between fantasy and reality during the cafeteria musical number. And I thought this is really... Um, it's so effective and it really creates memorable moments for Yeah. Me. I just think, just think how cool it is that we have all these musicals. Because for a while there were yeah. just animated musicals, there were none. Or do you like musicals, Drew? What's your, what's I love them. I, yeah. I love musicals. I wish I could sing and dance because that would be all I would do. Um, <laughs> I always say sketch comedy is for, for musical theater actors who can't sing or dance. Um, because I would be doing it all the time. But uh, yeah, I, lo I, I love watching them. They're, they're, they're beautiful. And uh, I, I would agree. I loved how West Side Story shot full body and did these wide shots and that like, you could see the choreography because, you know, I don't know if it's like, you know, I, I mean, to me, I, I thought Bob Fosse was a brilliant film director and obviously, you know, arguably best choreographer of all time, sure. But I don't know if it was the influence of Fosse or why, but like the, just the, the inserts of just like a hand or a foot or something happening, which can be so effective when Bob Fosse did it. I think it got overdone in musicals where you, and you can really edit a, a, a dance in an editing bay versus like on a soundstage, which is what they did. I mean, you know, so was it story I thought was just a triumph. Um, of a you know of a, of a musical um and then i would just add to your list glenn i would add the brilliance of jamie dornan in barb and star go to vista del mar Absolutely. and just and the, the and just the the unexpected what i love in a musical is when someone just unexpectedly breaks in a song and then it just it just keeps going it's so committed to the joy and the insanity and it's so bought into it that i i loved that moment, I mean, and that's on my list of favorite movies of the year, which we can talk about later, but I just um, popped in my mind when you added those, yeah. His gymnastics and climbing that coconut palm tree. Absolutely, and drilling into the, I mean, obviously that was that was CGI, but like, whatever, it was, it was, it, yes, absolutely, it was, it was incredible. He made everybody fight. fall in love with him in that movie. Like, yeah. I, he has got so much goodwill he will be getting like first class upgrades for the rest of his life and the and the flight attendant will say Barbara Star. Like there was so <laughs> much he was just so winning in an unexpected way from the guy from Fifty Shades. So yeah. Well he was so willing to make fun of himself in a way that you don't always know yeah. that, you know, you know, like people who are not, you know, it's not, yes, he's, he's very good looking or whatever, but like, he's just, he always has done this dramatic brooding thing. And he's not just like doing them a favor. He's like 
holding his own with comedy legends, you know, and he's, he, yeah, he was fantastic. But I thought he was great in Belfast, too. I thought he was, he's really had an amazing year to show, like, his, and he was so charming yes. in Belfast as well. I mean, I, he totally, you know, won me over in that his, and another musical number at the end of that movie. So, yeah. I love it. Barb and Star was a movie that I watched with friends and we all did our first rapid test and then we watched it together. Like, but, but was it 2020? Was it 2021? Was it the future? Like, it's just that movie of like, it was lost in a, in a, in a time, um, in a time spell. I loved the shot in West Side Story where the, the, it's from the above where the shadows of the two gangs yes. come in. It was in the trailer. I got chills yeah. in the trailer watching it. Yeah. yeah. I was into it. And I loved In the Heights. I loved it. I did too. I thought In the Heights was was wonderful, and it was uh, it was. I think it was the first movie I saw. Maybe uh, Quiet Place Two was the first movie I saw in the theater post pandemic. But it was a it was it was maybe the second movie. I, I was just so excited to see a big, you know, musical in a theater, and I thought it was it was so well done. It was just joyous, and I loved the abuela, and I loved. I mean, I loved everything. I thought it was yeah, it was really magical. I felt something I hadn't felt in a long time in a movie in a theater in, in a in a theater or or on television. Lust for a woman. I thought Vanessa was so sexy in a way that the bathing suit and the ad it wasn't just the way she looked, it was who she was and it it was a kind of sexiness that it's not cool to do anymore. Or did it does anyone else share this? I just thought, oh my gosh, she's she like 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 if I was a dude, my eyes would if I you know the uh, like, I, it was a kind of sexiness that you don't often see so uh, so so blatant I guess uh, so I'm Team Vanessa. It's a very is, sexy movement uh, movie where the I think the the cinematographer the camera movement in that film understands the allure of its actors. Mm. Oh, that's that, cool. And the way people were shot, the way the camera would swoop around them, it, it was beautifully rendered in that film. And that swimming pool scene, I remember, it was just unbelievable. Like, just... Um, and the, the, the scene where the, the building tips on the side and they do that... Yes! Threat. The problem is I can't remember that song. I can't sing it for you. I don't know the name of it. And I've seen it, like, three times. So, um, but it was... When it happens, it just... It takes your breath away. I think so. I remember that was our first pen, post-pandemic theater experience. Uh, yes, I put it on my dream board, and then it came true. <laughs> I remember you saying that typically a, a how far our dreams have fallen. I know my dream board last year was see a movie in a theater. I'm at AMC. Board. There's literally a cartoon of people at an AMC, but it, it's silly. at an AMC. Well, I like because you love thirty minutes of trailers. <laughs> <laughs> well, the arc light didn't make it. So, I, as long as it happens in the trailers, it's okay. But uh, Dennis, <laughs> you you, um, uh, you had said after In the Heights that typically a musical director will run out of ideas, and he said and this director never ran out of steam. He kept on surprising us with that 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 building number that comes so late in the film, and yet you think just when you thought he didn't have another idea, this is his brilliant one. Yeah. And even there was a shot of uh, Yus Yusnavi looking out the window and his face is reflected in the window. It's very early. It's in the first number. Yeah. And I saw that shot and I'm like, oh, we're in great hands. They're, they're thinking very creatively and they're, they're not wasting a moment. They're making every moment count. So I, I, I'm sad that that movie didn't get more awards attention kind of year-end uh, buzz, but um, I loved it. 
So, Drew, what you've created a list of kind of your favorite movies. Um, yes. So throw out a title and let, and let's uh, let's. All right. So, and I wrote these kind of without you know not much uh, you know like order or whatever. But I I would love to start with Flea. Yes. Uh, which was is just I keep coming back to it. It's just a. I mean, it's it, it, it's both harrowing and both and so beautiful. It's it's uh, for me, it's the moments of joy that are in this. It's it's um, it's an animated documentary. Um, f- is it from Iran? Where I'm not sure which country. No, it's uh, it's it's from uh, Belgium or somewhere. Marco Denmark. Oh, it's from yeah. Denmark. the director? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, and uh, and he's an Afghani refugee. Is the act is the is the character? Yes, yes, that's right. Um, but it is, it's truly, it's, it, it's just, it's a masterpiece and I, it's a beautiful film about friendship. Uh, it's a beautiful film about coming out. I mean, the, the refugee is gay, uh, the way they handle the, the, the family's understanding of, of the gay son and the gay brother is so beautiful. And it's just, it just had these moments that just, I would burst into tears unexpectedly, and you, and its use of animation is, is in a way that you could not do with live action. I mean, and and it it, it lifted the, you know, the, the art form of both documentary and animation. As far as I'm concerned, it was I, I think it's a masterpiece. I remember the scene where the two members of his family are trying to get smuggled on a boat somewhere, and it's uh-huh. full of suspense. But it's animated. But I'm having a nervous right. breakdown. This is right. a cartoon, and I'm having a nervous breakdown. It's that feeling I had when I was a kid and I saw The Sound of Music, my first movie, and then and they were hiding in the cemetery and the, they were looking, the Nazis were looking. I, I nearly had a nervous breakdown. It's that same feeling, but they achieved that with animation, um, that kind of dread and suspense. Um, we we watched Flea together, uh, Glenn, as I recall. Yeah. Oh, cool. I yeah. was really taken by it. It's uh, I thought that the scenes, like, as you're saying, were more harrowing with using by using animation than they would have been if it were straight up uh, realistic documentary style that it captured the, the 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 feeling of what a refugee experience is like in a way that was so visceral to me um i did come in with a different expectation of the film which i thought it was going to be more about his gay experience than the refugee experience and that's just another movie that wasn't made right film um and but it kept made me think i would love to see this same style applied to what a gay person fleeing isis was like you know oh right right syria um because i do i did want some of that detail in there but that's not this story uh and as this story it's pretty masterfully done and it gives you a perspective on what it might be like to be a refugee to have to start somewhere new with all your past all your history all your culture just sort of gone and you're now you met a guy on a train and you're maybe going to have a boyfriend and live in a house. Like, what's your life? Like, and what that must feel like. And then you're, but also it kind of give you a little, little hope that people can survive and overcome. Absolutely. Really and also things. like why people are even more reason why someone would be in the closet. It's just like one more thing that you just right. acknowledge and deal with, you know, um, it's just, Yeah. All right. Yeah, and Did I think any of you- also, just to add to that, uh, I think what it also does a great job is is making this character so relatable because you're seeing his life post escape. Uh, whereas we are fed so many stories of the otherness of these cultures, where we never really get to understand the humanity. And I think this really gave us this guy who's got this boyfriend. He's got a sense of humor. He's interesting. You know, it's right. not it's not just 
you know. And every man. Yeah. A faceless victim of circumstance. It's, it's a human being. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, my first movie that I want to talk about is Summertime. Did anybody else see this? No, and I'm so bummed I couldn't see it. And is it available to watch now? Because I can't I find it. Yes. I'm not sure. It must be. It, it came out in the summer, I think. It was a day in the life of Los Angeles with this big uh, ensemble of characters. But they were all they're all poets, and they all met at a poetry performance. And the director happened to be there. And he was coming off the movie Blind Spotting. He made that film, and he thought, "I'm gonna make, I'm gonna throw these poets together and figure out a movie that we can make." So they, they, they have these like sort of loose storylines that interlocked, and the the, a lot of them are super compelling, and they're not quote unquote actors; they're poets. But they've they managed to be wonderful on film, and uh, I found it very moving. There's a incredible dance sequence in front of a John's supermarket in LA. Uh, these, all these girls in red dresses. And it's a, it's about a poem about the power of a red dress for a Latina and what it says. And am I being too sexy or am I owning it? And that doesn't mean you can like, you know, leer at me and grab my boobs or whatever, but I'm, it, and it was just in front of a John's, which is so much better than a Ralph's. If you're an LA person, 100%. it's just so much more, um, quirky and it, it it felt like the la that i know in terms of where we where we were and and um i found it very moving at the end and so definitely worth a look very unique movie for sure it's streaming on canopy um Drew, do you have oh canopy? that's cool i uh not sure i don't have a library card i'm a horrible american i need yes, to get a I, library card and join canopy no i got it's my worth library it. card online in two seconds went to the oh office. great and then I then I logged into Canopy, and it's an LA Public Library-run streaming service where you get, I think, 15 free movies a month. And Hoopla, which is another LA Library service, does the same thing. And so you get these two that have such gems in there. You have to really dig, but they're gems in those streaming. That's services. so good to know. Thank you. I will do that today yeah. because I've been meaning to get a library card for you know 20 years in LA. You'll, you'll be surprised at how much good stuff it is. The main yeah. public library can get you the card the fastest. Okay. Oh, good tips for everybody that happened to be in LA. Um, Glenn, what's your next movie? Um, my next movie is Red Rocket. Oh, I forgot about that one. Okay. Yeah, this is one of my favorites of the year. And uh, uh, Sean Baker, who made the uh, prior films that I love so much, which are Tangerine and The Florida Project. This is his new one uh, starring Simon Rex, former MTV VJ and uh, uh, you know he had a bit of a uh, some a, sort of a softcore porn pass before then uh, and this is his sort of triumphant return in a incredible performance uh, playing a sort of porn star who has come back to his small Texas town during the uh, election cycle of 2016 and you can imagine what the undercurrent of this film brings to a small town in Texas and uh, he is grooming this young underage uh, girl to become a porn star and he can weasel his way out of any situation and you're watching this motormouth character just weasel his way out of everything and as the movie's progressing without spoiling too much you realize you've been in the company of a really terrible person mm -hmm. who is just endlessly entertaining to watch and so it makes you reconsider your own values your own your own uh you know eye for that type of a character yeah and 
Talk about musicality. It opens with him asleep on a bus and the strains of NSYNC's Bye 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 are playing. And he sits yeah. up right as the music crescendos. And then he walks off the bus and it just abruptly cuts off the song. So Sean Baker was really thinking about musicality because that comes up two more times in the film in remarkable ways. So uh, I, I just loved how this movie upended how we relate to a lead character. Uh, I agree. What did, what did you think of it, Drew? Did you see it's it? It's absolutely a, a, at the top of my list as well this year. It's one of my favorite movies. I'm a huge Sean Baker fan as well. Uh, I also love Star, which a lot of people... Is it called... I think it's just called Star. Or exactly. Starlet? Starlet. Starlet. That's it. Starlet. I always... It's it's also it's, it was before um, before Tangerine and Florida Project and it's I highly recommend that as well. It it also feels very uh, very much as a, a great bookend to Red Rocket because they are both about adult film industry and about you know these very complicated characters morally especially morally ambiguous characters. Uh, Sam, Simon Rex gave my favorite male performance of the year. He's phenomenal. Um, yes, I agree with Glenn. He's really not likable at times, but I mean, the character is unlikable. The actor is so charming that it does make you have that all that moment. I, I just echo all of this. I thought it was so much fun to watch. I love that he uses non-actors in the film. It gives it a very real feeling. That you're really there. Um, and I, I thought it was a really, it was a really sad, deeply funny movie. Um, I thought it, I thought it was absolutely incredible. I loved it. I liked how a lot of times when porn people are depicted, they're shown in unporny ways to be like, that's not who they are. But this, their sex was kind of porny, even in real life. And I'm like, that's probably about right, like for some people. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, we're going to show the softer side. No, he's still kind of porny in the way he, and it was, and it's okay. There's it, it um, and you know, yeah, there's no judgment in that. And then Starlet yeah. does the same thing. It presents um, pornographic sex as the as the truth that is something that like you know we love to revile and yet yeah. um, somehow it still manages to be a huge industry from the same it's, people that, it's you know literally are also it's, using our, it our culture is saying it's literally everywhere but it's not really that great but maybe it kind of is sometimes right yeah. um but but remember his sex in the movie is very viagra fueled right but that's part of it right right it's, uh i like when I walked out, you know, you're, you're kind of like, oh, what's the message of this movie? And I'm like, oh, scammers got a scam. Like, <laughs> and I, th that made me think of Trump. Like every time during the Trump years, he would screw up in some big way. And then people would say, well, he learned his lesson. And now he's going to be different. No, scammers got a scam. They got that's they can't. If it's not shady, they're not interested. The, then they just have to rely on their own metal. And they know they don't got it. So they got a scam. And I thought it was interesting. Did you guys think his character changed in the movie? I didn't, but I thought that was sort no. of the point. That's kind of right. why I liked it. I actually am someone, I don't like when characters change sometimes because to me, to use a really nerdy improv expression, but like you're denying your own information. Like if you lay out information, Ooh, that's interesting. go back on that and go, oh, but I'm actually this. It's like, you know, and I think a lot of movies really want to make someone quote unquote likable. And that's right. when I absolutely do not like them because and not to dip into this and to get too much into this. No, this is movies, interesting. But, I like but, it. Um, well, like, I just finished Morning Show Season 2, and <laughs> so, I'm not, that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to go into that whole rabbit hole, but... 
It's Billy, the weirdest show. It's so the weirdest weird. Show. I love season one. It should have ended there. But season two, Billy Crudup's character is completely a different person now. We're supposed to like him. We're supposed to care about him. He has feelings. Well, no, I don't care about him. I don't care that he's, like, pining for, you know, I'm not going to, whatever. But, like, no. He's a sociopath. He's a slime ball, And he was absolutely brilliant in season one. And it's like, I feel like they they get bored. And they go, oh, we need to give a character more. And I'm like, no. I mean, my fear, I mean, Charlize Theron and young adult, horrible human being, does not, learns the wrong lesson, thinks she goes on this amazing emotional journey. She absolutely does not. And I love that because it's weird watching it going, oh my God, that is people. That is how people are. That is the way yeah. it is. Oh, we have to do another podcast about morning show. Oh morning my God. show feels like there was an earthquake that only hit the writer's room and they just put all the note cards back anywhere uh, <laughs> from the, on the wall and then they just shot it. Um, anyway. one, thing, one thing I want to say about Red Rocket is yes. that without spoiling the ending, the final moments of that movie kind of uh, tell us what we're talking about here is that he doesn't change he lives inside his head, and that fantasy is what fuels him. The reality, he's not married to reality at all. And a lot of people were wondering about that final image, and that's what I took from it, that, no, this guy is just fooling himself, fooling everybody. And he's yeah. sexy and fun to watch and his tight little oh tanks, God. you know, on his little Ooh. bike. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, that was. I just want to. Can I just add one yes. little thing about about Red Rocket? Just on a side note, in the world of we're talking about porn and it's portrayal, a movie on my list that I don't have a lot to say that I really loved that a lot of people are not seeing or talk about. I don't know if either of you have seen a film called Pleasure. I think maybe no. we talk about it, Glenn. But it is it's fantastic, and it's about a Swedish woman who moves to LA to work in the porn industry because she wants the experience, and it's not about I was abused. I have nowhere to turn. She really wants to have sex and she wants to do it on camera and she's into it, into the, she's grown up watching it and she, her dream is to be a porn star and it's really well done. There's inc- some incredible performances in it. It, it, it and it has a very unique take on pornography that's not judgmental and bless their hearts. This is what they have to do, which is so gross and condescending. Um, so I highly recommend that. Um, for everybody check out Pleasure. I Pleasure. saw it on the screener. I'm not sure where you can find it. All Maybe right. It's on canopy. Is it subtitled or is it uh, yeah, in English? No, no it's okay. mainly set in LA. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there are subtitles, but it's mostly English. Right on. Yeah. Um, so my next movie that I'll bring up, and this is silly, Jungle Cruise. Um, <laughs> here's what I like. The Rock, Emily Blunt, theme park thing, their publicity tour for it, they're delightful together. I want them to host the Oscars. Ah, that'd be so my favorite part about Jungle Cruise was the, not the movie. It was the, their, their, their shtick uh, in the EPKs or whatever, whenever they would pop up together. Uh, I also like that there was a real gay character uh, in a Disney movie that was like, had some uh, dimension to him and got to be part of the story. And um, it was the last movie I saw before I got COVID. So I may have actually gotten COVID at, at Jungle Cruise. <laughs> Although I don't think it timed out right. And my other thought was this, and I read a piece about this at the time. The Rock is undeniably one of the, like, the hottest movie stars we have, right? Sure. Never plays sexy, never plays romantic. Huh. Think about it. Has he ever kissed J-Lo? No. What's going on there? 
That is really interesting. He is right? usually really goofy. He like plays right. against his. He's, he's he's never with a girl. He's never. Although, I'm like, not I'm saying never. he's gay or anything. I'm just saying what's going on I that the rock, the Arnold Schwarzenegger canon, you know, right? Similar trajectory. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that's maybe it's a calculated thing. It's part of his appeal. And I think too, it goes back. I, I I would I would imagine it goes back to his days, his roots as a wrestler. Yeah. Where you know the Rock was a character, and he was always so goofy. Right. Because the first time I heard of him was when he has hosted SNL, and I'm like, who is this person? Right. You know, and um, they were always a famous wrestler, and it was like it was kind of his shtick was to he pulled faces like that. Yeah. Um, and who knew he would become who he became? Yeah. Uh, but I'm a fan of the two of them together. I think they're they got a, they got something special. I think, and I hope they host the Oscars or do something else with it. All right, Glenn, what is your? Neither of you guys have uh, four pages of notes on Jungle Cruise. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, Glenn, what's just, another I movie on your guess. list? Um, I told you mine were the unsung movies. I love that. I love that you have that on there. Okay. Yeah. I haven't right. seen it. I, I don't. I didn't hate it. I haven't just been yeah. watching. Yeah, Watch who, the press clips. Who's heard of Jungle Cruise? I don't know. What <laughs> Um, okay, well, the next one is just written in front of you here. It's called Titane. Right. Uh, and Julia Ducournau's uh, film, she is a maverick director. If you have not seen this movie, it's definitely not for everybody. It is extremely violent. Have you guys seen it? No. I have seen it. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, and, I mean, it's extremely violent. It's almost three different films. It's extremely violent. Then it becomes extremely tender and becomes about gender identity. And it's fascinating. My moment out of time for the film is just that, without spoiling anything, it's just I'll never look at a chopstick the same way again. <laughs> life. It's so violent and crazy. Um, and there's also, you know, an autoerotic scene that's literally that. Uh, that um, it's just, it's just yeah. a really <laughs> dynamic film. The lead performance is so unforgivingly fierce. She's just intense and uh, fun to watch. Uh, just go through this transformation um, and creates this tender relationship with somebody else that comes sort of unexpectedly. And uh, it it wowed me in ways that no other film has. And I just thought it was kind of like taking Do David Cronenberg's crash and just blowing it up to epic proportions. I love it. What did you think of it, Drew? I haven't seen it. I, I I wish I loved it as much as Glenn did. I was I thought it was visually stunning. I agree with you on the lead. I, it is completely an uncompromising singular film, for sure. So I can't I cannot say that I hated it, but I found myself wildly laughing at it. And maybe that's you know not a bad thing, um, but I was like n having a really hard time connecting it together. And I just didn't love it. I just kind of thought it was ridiculous and i i couldn't care about it like i thought it was a really cool music video but i didn't i had no connection to it i think yeah. that's fair all right drew what's your next movie you want to talk about my next one that i love going completely different from titane um is uh is a movie is come on come on uh mike mills's movie this year i thought was just so incredible and I also am a huge fan of his of, of um, Twin Century Women and Beginners, which I think is really a masterpiece. But Come On, Come On did something to me that, that I, I've never related so much to um, a, Joaquin a Joaquin Phoenix character or a performance of his like I did in this film. I think it's the greatest performance he's ever delivered. Um, I so related as a 40-something-year-old single uncle who, like, loves my um, – in my situation, I have a niece and a nephew that I love dearly but would be terrified if I had to be in charge of them. 
And I, I thought it was a really interesting character because he's he's a mess, but he's functional. He's not like a horrible, like down in his luck in any way. He's just sort of like, he's a, he's fine for himself. But um, I love seeing that. I thought it was gorgeously shot. I thought there was an incredible performance from the kid. And I normally hate child actors. And I thought this kid was wonderful. And I love Gabby Hoffman and everything. And, and it has these beautiful documentary segments in the middle where they really, any other filmmaker, I would find it trite. I would find it ponderous. I would find it so on the nose, these like truths that these kids are finding about life. And I was so there. I was taken by it. I thought it was just a beautiful movie. Um, I keep going back to it, and I just I thought it was um, I thought it was incredible. Well, we're gonna have a reverse Titan moment here. Okay. <laughs> well, well, I share your opinion that I think it's Joaquin Phoenix's warmest, most generous performance. That it was. It was unexpected that I, what he brought and Gabby Hoffman, although she literally phoned in her performance. Um, <laughs> she did. She was on the phone a lot. That's true. Yeah. Um, I I found the back and forth between the documentary-ish footage, which actually really was real, um, uh, to his real life as, as the character, I thought that got ponderous for me, and that there were always these prelapse where we'd be in a dramatic scene that it wouldn't resolve, and we'd prelapse to a documentary interview where I kept feeling pulled out of the drama of the film by the, the what I thought was a repetitive motif. Uh, but I still understand the pull towards this film. I, it's, I, under, I understand what drew you in, because those are all the same things that drew me in, you know, it, it's same same thing, me being a 30-something uncle. Well, I, <laughs> I had a moment watching it near the end. Joaquin has a sweet conversation with the nephew. And he talks to him kind of about how he's feeling and his emotional thing. And it was the kind of conversation I never had as a kid with anyone, I don't think. And I thought, what would it have been like for some adult to say, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was provided for like where it's a different generation, yeah. all of that stuff. But I was just like, wow, he was talking to that kid like his feelings were did it like like a person with feelings. I, I just I uh, that's what I remember taking away from that movie is like the sweetness between the adult and the kid and the way yeah. he talked to him. And I hope that a lot of kids get those kind of conversations. Because I think a lot of us had to do without it, even though we did we had to like process without all that. Yeah, I'm not. I, I think I was just blown away because I, I detest cheap sentiment, to quote that. Yeah. But you know, I really don't enjoy sweet and, and schmaltz, and and I was really blown away by how how well I thought that 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 was um, you know delivered in the movie because there there's always a movie every year that I'm always like, ugh, you know. Yeah. What movie yes. was that? Are we going to go there? Sure. It might be one of your favorites of the year. Okay. I don't, okay. I don't like to bag, like, hate on it, especially public, because it's like, we all know, we all make things. We know how hard it is to just make something, let alone have it be good. I also like to shit on things that people love and just like have so much passion for because it's like, who cares? I just posted about something and yesterday and people were like, I didn't like it. It's like, who cares? That's fine. You don't have to yeah. you don't tell me. But when movies get heaps of praise and awards nominations and people saying it's the best of the year and I find it remarkably false and it's a giant thing, you know, when it's a giant thing, I feel like I can say it. And the movie that I found to be so just like phony and emotionally porn pornographic was Coda. 
Interesting. Hated. <laughs> that is so. That is the last one I would have picked. I, I thought, thought it was. It, it looks like a bad episode of Seventh Heaven. I hated the way <laughs> it was. That, that schmaltzy. It felt like it was. It was or like something on Pax. Yeah. It felt very like. It felt like creepy Christian, like golden, showing you this. Like, I, I, I it was trying so hard to be funny. The fart jokes, the sex jokes. I didn't want to watch. I, I, everything about it was like trying so hard. Um, I thought it was so predictable. I knew every frame that was going to happen next. I was not surprised by any of it. I thought the performances were lackluster. I thought this. The the um. I, I just was so mad that like I wanted to really go on this ride with these people and I and I feel like you know and obviously it's a completely different film than Sound of Metal but like last year we had this incredible truly educational and and eviscerating film about the hearing impaired community and I was like watching that going I had never thought of the world that way I'd never seen you know what and I thought that was an incredible that and they're obviously very different films but I feel like this was just like I don't need to see this like Starbucks commercial for I I just found it so I hated it I hated it like like you know John Waters watching uh, Mask if you've ever read about him, like, you've ever read about him like it's that feeling of like I was so angry I love, like, this is so funny to me it was not I thought it was gonna be some <sighs> other movie oh I love that you hate Coda that's delightful. Um, I liked it, and I I remember no, watching, I remember I remember crying at parts. Um, I I will tell you one moment that you might have been surprised when the seemingly gay oh, oh when he has a wife has a wife yes that, and that, that was funny it's like oh this person's straight <laughs> yeah. also this is this person's a person yeah. <laughs> the performance was so cartoony it was like. Oh my god! I think he, oh my god, he made me crazy. I was like, yeah. "Would you relax and be a human being in a scene, or are you just going to be on a Nickelodeon like kids show?" Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, ran over. I know. I like it, um, Glenn. Any thoughts on Coda? I liked. I liked um, the parents' messiness, and I know Drew alluded to the sex and the farting, but I, I I liked their messiness and them being so adamant about not being able to understand what the daughter was doing up on stage. They couldn't hear the music. So they were just, <laughs> just being sort of these chatterboxes in the audience. That that those are the moments that really stuck with me. I totally get. This is you know. It's a mayonnaise of a movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and I, I'm also, uh, you know, averse to schmaltz in that same similar way. But uh, uh, there was something about this brand of schmaltz that I thought was done as well as can be for that type. Yeah. I don't know. Although I, you know, I feel ashamed for thinking that now because I kind of agree with Drew. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Maybe there could be a group, a support group in a basement somewhere you guys can get together and talk about it i won't be there because I, <laughs> I i'm i'm sensitive and uh i i wept openly it's but, just um, so weird how certain things affect yeah. different people because i mean yeah. for a lot of people they were like come on come on they were and i was like it's just weird what makes us all cry yeah. differently. 
I'll never forget this time that we went to go see Paper Moon and Drew was there too at the Arclight. And I said, this is my favorite movie of all time. And he goes, I hate child actors. And, <laughs> and, he said, and so I thought, oh my God, my favorite movie is going to get obliterated after he sees this. But I'm thinking, no, he's going to love this performance. And you ended up loving it. I did love it. I, I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh God. Oh no. No, I, I, it was so weird. I had saw that in the film so late and I did love But Yeah, I, I make exceptions all the time. Because yeah. Um, Tatum O'Neill was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I on con, but one of the best times I had in the movies this year was at Free Guy, the Ryan Reynolds movie. Oh yeah, I thought it did exactly what it set out to do, and I just had a ball. I thought the effects were cool, and it had like surprising moments, and I laughed a lot, and. I, I just thought, and it wasn't an IP that existed already. It wasn't based uh -huh. on some other thing. It just was like a winner to me. I thought it was really fun. Um, free guy. I know. didn't get to see it. Oh, it's it was fun. Kind of, it was kind of endless fun in a lot of similar way, except not as kind of cutting and edgy as the Deadpool movies that Ryan Reynolds does. Right, okay. It had that similar just joke, 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 constant. Right. Route. And the concept was kind of intriguing, and the the visual illustration of it was cool. It was just a, it was a crowd pleaser that wasn't based on another thing that was already seven movies before. Yeah. Speaking of which, I did see Fast Nine. I don't remember anything about it. I don't. Remember, I, I can't tell you one of thing. those movies, and I missed it. But I wa I watched them like I'll, yeah, I'm I in it at some point. They're so much fun. Yeah. All I can say is ludicrous in a car in outer space. I do. One hundred percent. <laughs> this was the movie where, Glenn, you were there. You may have embarked and done this, where I decided that in any of these action movies that I like to type along with the computer expert when they're typing fast, like it's, I'm helping the team. So I'll just sit in my seat and, well, let me, I'm going to hack into that. Type, 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 type. Okay, we got it. We're up. It's open. Like, you know that, <laughs> have you ever had a typing audition, a type, a fast typing audition, computer hacking audition? I don't know if I have. But it's a certain kind of super competent. Yes. Uh, like Stephen Garino in the Big Gay Sketch Show. Yeah, just type, 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 type. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, my God. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Total light. Yeah. But uh, I, I do like that those movies exist. I don't have any problem that they keep making them. Totally. Same. They're so fun. Yeah. Um, Glenn, take us to another moment in time. Well, this is technically a... 2022 movie but i saw yeah. it in 2021 it did just premiere at sundance uh this month uh but um it's called the worst person in the world it's all oh, right it's a norwegian film uh you saw it, drew i did i loved it yeah it's it's basically what i call a deadly serious romantic comedy is it, it it's got all the beats of a rom-com yet it is intensely raw and it takes you places that that genre never takes you. Um, and yet it's most, most rom-com moment is the moment for me, which is where she is running from point A to point B to be with a guy she's kind of into and the entire world stops except for her. And all of Oslo is frozen until she gets to point B. And it, it's just, it, it's unforgettable. And her performance is just fantastic. It's so layered and interesting. And it's it brings up questions of maternal instincts and about you know who is right for you. And even an ex could still have meaning for you in your life. And it, it brings up a lot of stuff and it's immensely sad. Doesn't it sound fun? Yes, I want to see it. I think I have the DVD. I need to watch it. Oh, you definitely should yeah. watch it. 
And do you did you know, Glenn, that that scene is they shot that practically, like everyone actually froze? Had no idea. They, I, I, I saw a Q and A with the director, and he said he actually had them freeze, like that. And and a lot of they were strange. They were just passersby in Oslo. Many of them were not all, you know, were you know because they don't have the same laws that we do here. They're just like, you want to be in this? Will you just freeze while she runs by you? And um, I agree. It's a, it's, it's such a smart, like truly adult romantic comedy in the sense that it's everyone's really complicated. The title is so brilliant because. You know, it's it's a question of who is the worst person in the world. She's so afraid of being the worst person in the world. There are times that she does some really awful things, but you love her. They're, they're not, I mean, truly nothing awful compared to like Red Rocket or Titan kind of things. But it's like, it's just very real. It just, and it, it doesn't at all, it's, I was so um, uh, surprised through the entire thing. I was so held the whole entire movie about what was going to happen next. And she gives one of my favorite performances of the year as well. If, if there were any justice, she would get an Oscar nomination. And I know she won't, but she 100% deserves um, a huge career after this. She's fantastic. Well, the film is on the Oscar shortlist for um, international film, I believe. Yes. Yeah, hopefully it'll, it'll be nominated for Best Foreign Film and, or International Film, sorry. Uh, yeah. I love it. Drew, what's another movie on your list? Uh, the next one on my list is Zola. Um, I loved uh, this film. I thought it was a, a revolutionary uh, piece of storytelling. Um, the fact that you, if you would tell me a, a movie is based on a series of tweets, you know, it just sounds like, oh my God, you know, the world is over. And I was so captivated. I think Taylor Page is another one who gives one of my favorite performances of the year, as does Coleman Domingo, um, as does always, oh man, I'm blanking on her name, Elvis Miller. Riley Keough, who is consistently brilliant at everything she does. She's one of the greatest living actors, I think. I really do. I think it's so funny and just another, like, you know, just like the, the, the energy behind it is, and, and Janixa Bravo is a genius director and just did an incredible job um, with a script, of, uh, also with Jeremy O'Harris's script. It's just, it's, 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 it's a phenomenal, um, truly, you know, singular movie. Yeah, in my moments out of time, I want to just read this because this this scene, I remember seeing this movie with you, Dennis, and we were laughing out loud at this moment. Um, so they're in a car together, Riley Keough and Taylor Page. I think Coleman Domingo's driving. And um, Riley Keough's character just appropriates African-American culture to the nth degree. Yes. He turns around to face this sort of wide-eyed Zola, who, if you haven't read that Twitter storm that the actual that it's based on, it's crazy. Um, and she turns around and she says, this bitch with her nappy ass hair was up in my face. And Zola just sits and stares for her. <laughs> and you don't know what she's going to say. Like, is this is she kidding? Right? Like, and she just goes, word. Uh, so good. Riley Keough is so good in that movie. You feel like they just went and found that girl. Like, it doesn't feel like it's an actor that kind of figured out how to do that. It just feels like they went and got one in the wild. But that um, was like an American Honey. Did y'all see American Honey? Like, no. She's equally that great in that. And you're yeah. like, she's just so raw. And like, yeah. she definitely plays a type of just really loud, angry trash. But she nails it as someone who came up in that world. I, I just like, yeah, that's, that's, it's really well done. And it's, it's masterful. She was great in The Lodge playing a person who was in a cult and that that's a whole different turnabout for her 
Can I ask you a question about Zola, Drew? Because at the end of it, I was kind of like, what am I, what are they saying? Or what am I left to think about? Or what yeah. is it about for you? I, I love that ending was so ambiguous because it's based on these series of tweets. And it's, to me, it's just as, it's, it's just as random as like you're picked yeah. up and you're thrown into this world for how many days? Yeah. And then you're just dropped off. And it's just yeah. like, so I felt like as a, as a viewer, I was like Zola in the sense of just like, well, that happened. Now that's what I was thinking. Well, that happened. That's that was right. kind of what and I, I thought. That was really well because I was like, oh, maybe it, it doesn't have anything to say other than like, well, this this went down and that now happened. Yeah, right. and th- not every movie needs to have that or whatever. But I was thinking right. of that, and I remember the ending, and I was like, oh, what? And it was kind of like, well, that happened, <laughs> and it was nuts, but it was super entertaining along the way. Um, I want to get your take on Don't Look Up because it's a comedy and it was that movie of like oh big stars oh wait it's not that good oh wait it's better than you thought it's shitty no oscars awards like what is it did we like it or not and like the culture the debate around it was so um uh, a roller coaster but i actually enjoyed watching it and I, i was moved by it at times i laughed at it at times and i'm glad like a big budget comedy with stars about something important got made so um what do you think of it? I agree. I I I loved it. I thought. Um, I'm also. I I do love Adam McKay's movies. I loved Vice, and I loved yeah. Um, this other one, that, Big Short. The Big Short. Yeah. Yeah, and so like I kind of was going into it knowing that it, you know, the the sort of the 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 vibe, I guess, and I. Um, I was also expecting not to like it because of what I had heard and I was expecting, you know, you know, it's oh, too many stars and it's going to be, it's a mad, mad, mad world or whatever. It's going to be one of those, it's just too many people. And, but I thought it was, um, I did not find it incredibly funny. There were moments I thought were funny. I thought Ariana Grande was hilarious in it, yeah. but I, I thought it was actually, and I don't even know how much of a parody it was. I thought it was actually just a mirror up to, yes. I mean, it made me feel the way idiocracy made me feel right. in the sense of like, I had dread and moments of like, this is yes. how it is. This is how what would go down. So I was just like, I was, I thought it was really, really well done. I thought it was equally balanced. I liked that there was an Elon Musk character brilliantly played by Mark Rylance. Once again, one of our greatest living actors. Why is he not so on every short list yeah. for supporting actor this year? I loved that, you know, President Merrill was like hugging Bill Clinton and also like, is she a Trumper? Is she liberal? Whatever. She's the problem. And like, everyone's the problem right now. Yeah. So I didn't feel like it was incredibly leaning super left. I thought I was kind of saying like, everyone in charge is an idiot. Um, And I thought that, I thought the scene around the dinner table at the end was really beautiful and it was really moving at the end. So, I mean, you know, it's not on my top list of films of the year, but I thought it was incredibly well done. Um, and I, you know, and uh, you know, it, you know, it's not Doctor Strangelove, but it's in that vein way more than it is anything that I that I think is, you know, um, what I don't know. And Twitter is insane because they went crazy about yeah back and forth. I thought it was actually really, really great. I don't know. Yeah. What did you I, think, Len? I think it's understandably polarizing. I watched it twice 
because I, I found myself laughing more than Drew is reporting here, um, although I did find it getting incredibly repetitive with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence constantly saying the world is ending, but you kind of have to have that for this structure. It does have my favorite callback of the year, which is explaining what a Brontorok is, and I won't spoil anything more than that. <laughs> yeah. That just made me really howl. Uh, and yeah. if you haven't watched all the way through to the very end credits, you got a really juicy little uh, scene at the very, very, very end uh, yeah. that did make me laugh as well. Um, I think it's it 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 is it's very Doctor Strange love inspired, and it um, it it struggles more to hit its uh, points than Doctor Strange love did, uh, and you can feel the struggle, feel the work going into it at times. But yeah, it, it it's exactly how this would play out, and I thought that was kind of brilliant. And I made me appreciate Jennifer Lawrence because we haven't seen her in a while. And I was like, you know what? She's great. She's kind of the straight person. She doesn't have big laughs, but she she's... gets that recurring. She gets that recurring gag about uh, taking the free stuff from the. Uh... <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of my one of my favorite things as a writer. There's a bit if you haven't seen it where one of the generals at the White House says that you have to pay for the snacks. And so she pays and then she finds out later they're free and she can't figure out why that general would do that. And I was like, that's the kind of quirky running gag that I, that I love, but and I like that. It's so true to, to people, how we, we get hung up on things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like that there was a few times where characters said the thing that you wish somebody in the culture would say as articulately as that. Like when she's on the morning show, she goes, well, maybe some things aren't meant to be happy or whatever. Like, I just thought like, yes, somebody's saying the thing that this whole world needs to hear. Um, and I thought Leonardo DiCaprio was genuinely fantastic. And I mean, I don't know why he's also not in the top five. I'm really baffled by the best, they, they always every year, but the best yeah. actor race this year. I'm like, there's so many. Yeah. Simon Rex, Leonardo DiCaprio, like uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Why are they not in those top five? Because I think they're all better than the than you know the ones that people are talking about. So, hey, Inter interesting. So there you go. Souls, I guess. All right, uh, Glenn, tell us another moment out of time. Well, I'm going to just kind of go embrace the animal theme with two films here that really struck me, and that is Pig and Lamb. Uh, pig with Nicolas Cage searching for his truffles, uh, right? King Pig, um, and entering this bizarre fight club like underworld of the Pacific Northwest restaurant scene, which yes. is bizarre. And, and when he confronts the head chef at a restaurant, I think that's the piece, the centerpiece of the film, and it's fantastic. And then Lamb is Numi Rapash, who many people might know from the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo yeah. uh, movies, or Prometheus. Um, I think she's always best when she's speaking a native language, and she was born in Iceland, so she speaks Icelandic. And this film, which is set there, is about these parents who um, run a sheep farm, and they birth the sheep, um, uh, and uh, something is not quite right with one of the sheep, and you don't know what it is. When the reveal happens of what that is, it was just jaw-dropping. And then there's yet another reveal late in the film that is equally jaw-dropping. Is think it a horror movie? Is it scary? It's kind of an A24 horror movie where it's oh, not right, scary, all right. but it's got a lot of dread and creepiness. Yeah. And it's about parenting and it's about nature and where our place as humans is in nature. What are we responsible for in the world? And so it has a lot to say about that, but it's very visual. So it doesn't say a lot. It just kind of t shows you a lot. Um, I just thought it was fairly unconventional unforgettable yet also ridiculous at the same time and it dared to be ridiculous 
And what was the other one? Oh, Pig, you loved. I need to see Pig. Did you see either of these movies? I didn't see well, either I of them. I saw Pig. Uh, I saw Pig. I did not get to see Lamb. I've heard a lot about it. I need to, to see that. Um, put it on my list. Pig, I was shocked how much I liked it. I um, was going into it going, oh, I'd seen the trailer and like screaming out loud, thinking it's going to be one of these Nicolas Cage over the top movies where, and I love him when he's, I love Mandy. I think it's his best movie. And <laughs> that leave Las Vegas. But like, I, I, I was like, Oh, I'm here to go and scream about my pig. I about my pig. And, and I was like, Oh, this is a beautiful performance. It's very tender at times. It's very small. It's very quiet. And yes, it's so specific about the restaurant culture and all that, you know, and I was just, I was totally surprised by it. And I was, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Well, with him, you never know if he's doing a straight-to-video cash grab or uh, a real art film. You don't you never know what what he's swinging for. So yeah. when you're like, oh, oh, that's actually that's a serious, wonderful thing. Yeah. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, the trailer um, made it seem like your typical Nicholas Cage right. movie. Yeah. And just the reveal at the end, the movie's called Pig, and you're like, oh my god, here we go. Right. Someone stole yeah. my pig. Is the yeah. Right. <laughs> um. There's a movie called Language Lessons that I saw with Mark Duplass and Natalie Morales, and she uh, directed it. They shot it during the pandemic, and she plays a Spanish tutor in, I think she's in Costa Rica, and she is um, tutoring this guy in Spanish, and the lessons are a gift from Mark Duplass's husband, and who we find out really early on uh, dies suddenly. So he's got this gift, and he's got these lessons. So it's all done through zoom but i really liked it but it was also the year i started doing zoom spanish so i have a tutor like Um, natalie morales who's kind of gorgeous like that and there was a point where i was maybe going to get to interview somebody involved in it natalie or mark and it didn't come together but i they sent me a link and i was able to share it with my tutor so she watched it it was just this art imitates life imitates art thing she hasn't moved in with me uh (laughs) yeah but i think it could happen and um, of the pandemic, limited Zoom, whatever we're doing, limitations. I thought it was, um, I, I thought it was kind of uh, cool, and I really, I really liked it. Maybe just because I related to it. But um, yeah, did you ever get? Did you get a chance to see that, Drew? I did. I did yeah. see it. I thought they. I, I did think they both were were great, and I thought it was a really interesting way. And again when this is how we had to make things yes. for a while. And, you know, I, I felt like it was, you know, I was, I was into it. I thought they both gave really good performances. Um, my, yeah, my issue is, is, is also that it's like, I just was so tired of seeing things on zoom. Right. And for me, like watching it was, you know, it was a little bit, it was a little tedious. Cause I was just like, this is how I'm having to do all my meetings and everything. And maybe in 10 years, I'll be so interested in seeing a movie from this era. That's like, Oh man, remember zoom. Remember we did, and so maybe I need some separation from it. And I have to say, like, I, I think Mark Duplass is always wonderful in things. I would have loved a gay actor to do that part. Well, I, I don't understand why they made him gay. I don't understand why he was gay. I don't, I, I, I think the, I think it's what like, I would have asked them if they interviewed him. I felt like it was a plot contrivance because they didn't want us, you to think that he and she were going to hook it be up. a romance. They yeah. wanted it to be a friend movie. So it's like, well, if we make him gay, then we'll know there's no sense of that, yeah, you know. Maybe that was it. Yeah. But it's also, that's like a really, I, I find that a, a shitty reason to create a gay character. And I felt like there was no reason why. And I do think that 
um, Deshaun Terry, who plays the the husband, I would have much preferred to see him in the in the Mark Duplass role. I've been interested to see, and I, you know, you, you know, um, a, you know, a gay actor doing the doing yeah. the role. I mean, I I just I would prefer that, and I um, I, I'm just at a I'm at that place now, and I didn't used to be that person, but now I'm sort of like, in terms of representation, like let's if you're gonna have a gay big gay role, and unless it's like you know, I don't know, it's like. I, I don't always feel that way. There's certain performances I think are fantastic for straight actors turn in, but if, if it's just like for this kind of a movie in a, in a very ultra realistic world, put a gay actor in there. I kind of, that would have been my first question to them. Like, why, why did you make the character gay? Yeah, it just and I, and your, your explanation makes sense to me. It didn't occur to me at the time. Glenn, did you ever watch it? I did, yeah. I yeah. almost gave up on it for the same reasons that you yeah. guys were articulating that. I just don't want to watch another Zoom movie. But I went back to it, and I, I'm a big fan of hers, Natalie Morales. Me too. I think she's great. And I think she's done great comedy, and this was a really great opportunity yeah. for her to show this dramatic side that she's wounded and interesting. And I just thought she did a great job directing and acting, and she wrote it too, didn't she? Um, yeah, they wrote. I think they wrote it together. There's and I a... said that the only way that it got made was because of Mark Duplass's uh, intervention in it, so I understand why he's the co-star. Yeah. Um, but if I can jump in on another movie that does succeed where this one doesn't, in that same sort of vein, is Together Together um, with Ed Helms and Patty Harrison. It's on Canopy streaming. I love uh, it. And uh, where it's about a guy who wants to have a child and he hires a surrogate played by Patty Harrison. And it's about their platonic friendship during the pregnancy. And, and they don't make him gay. You know, there's no reason for it to be. And yet they still can have this, you know, these are two cis hetero characters who have a friendship. And it's so beautiful. And the final shot, which I won't spoil, just moved me to tears. It's just gorgeous. Patty Harrison's also groundbreaking in the fact that uh, she is a trans person playing a cis hetero character here. And so fantastically, I just, I loved her on uh, Shrill. And this just really, to me, elevates her. In a Patty's a genius. I've loved, been a fan of hers for years in the comedy scene. And it was so great to see her really get to be a real person in a movie and like a fully fleshed out character. I thought she was wonderful in the film. I, thought I need to see it. Was... I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's very tender and interesting and not short. All right, thanks to Drew and Glenn for all their insights about the movies. We're going to do part two next week. Uh, that was just part one, so lots more where that came from. All right, so this happened. As you know, I have a new voicemail that goes with the show, so people can call and leave messages. That number is 888-647-9653. And I got my first message, so check it out. Hi, Dennis. This is Danny from Los Angeles. I'm calling about uh, with your interview with Darcy. Um, you had the observation, that question about singing the wrong lyrics, and that just triggered something in me. And uh, it wasn't um, that those lyrics I was singing, I was singing, were wrong. It's that my cousin really made me feel bad. <laughs> so, um, just quick background: my uh, growing up, my biggest influence uh, of music was my older sister. So I was getting into Heart and Pat Benatar and uh, Queen and all that that great vein of music and then my cousin who's about my age um he starts going over into the goth and alternative and new wave music and so i followed him to a club one day and discovered this whole new world of music i never heard so i think he takes credit for that part of my music love but um so the song is be near me by abc um and the lyrics are 
all my dreams came true last night, all my hopes and fears, all my dreams came true once more in tears, in tears. But I was thinking it's years, it's years. Because it makes sense. He's talking, he said, my dreams came true once more. Uh, so there's a little bit of a time element in, in the in the preceding line. So it's years and years. didn't seem crazy to me. And when my cousin heard me sing, it's years, it's years, he's all, what? It's in tears, in tears. I said, oh, oh I, I did not hear that. And he just went on to make me feel like the stupidest person on the planet. I was like, it's not like I'm saying there's a bathroom on the right. That doesn't make sense in the phrase of bathroom on the rise. But it's, even so, now when I hear the song, I still hear it's years, it's years. And I think, was Martin Fry thinking like I was? And he sang it's years, but the liner notes say that it's, it's ear, ear it's, God, I can't even see it right anymore. Thank you for that moment that um, triggered that for me. I really enjoy listening to your podcast. Thank you, Danny, for listening and for calling in and for dredging up that painful memory of the cousin that made fun of you about being near me. Now, here's some kismet that's happening in the world. I mentioned before that I own a jukebox, that I'm getting it fixed. Uh, I think I told the whole story. It had to do with my dream board. It's a whole thing. So yesterday, the gentleman was here fixing the dream uh, the. the the dream board. My dream board doesn't need fixing. It's fine. It's 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 doing what it's supposed to do. No, he's fixing my jukebox, and um, he got it working and playing music. And I now have all these forty fives, and I'm picking what should go into it. And what forty five do I come across? But be near me, and that was in the maybe pile. It wasn't in the yes pile. It wasn't in the no pile. It was in the maybe pile. Uh, it had a beautiful cover, like a cool. You know how some forty fives just had like plain paper and the whole this was like a photograph and it was all you know fancy uh so be near, near me by abc and now because of danny's story i think it's going from the maybe pile into the yes pile and will be played on my jukebox all right be near me be near all right that's enough for this week thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time on dennis anyone bye bye